Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Good morning, everyone. Again, I was saying if anybody's awake, wake me up. I am not still fully awake, um, but just uh, amazed at your faithfulness and just uh, being there for each other is just beautiful. Um, even for me, yesterday after Heartstrong, I went back and I had a good feeling knowing that people prayed for me, you know, and I think um, it was just it was just a great, great, great way. So thank you once again. Um, Let's start again with our memory words. If someone can read it, I would really appreciate it. So if you can unmute yourself and read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Amen. Amen. Um, again, if somebody can unmute and pray and start us, a lot of prayer is important. And please, um, if, if you can add uh, Valerie and, and her family too, that would be greatly appreciated if you can pray for them. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning, Heavenly Father. And as we look out our windows, we see rain, but we know that you send rain because you know that the ground needs it. So we thank you for that, Heavenly Father. And as it's been said, we thank you, Lord, for this uh, family that gets together, Heavenly Father, just to join our hearts together with you, Lord, to hear what you do have to say, Heavenly Father, this morning. So we uh, attend our ears towards you this morning and our hearts. And those that are, are not feeling well in their bodies this morning, as Val and her family, Heavenly Father, we just ask you, Lord, um, to, to by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to just take away from our bodies whatever is not, uh, not well, Lord, whatever is making us feel icky. And Heavenly Father, whoever else is on this call and those that will be listening and those that will be gathering tonight also, Heavenly Father, and uh, especially at this moment as well, think of our sister Fran, Lord, uh, just to, to continue uh, healing work in her um, back, uh, wherever that, whatever has gone wrong, Heavenly Father. If I haven't said anything about anyone, Lord, you know who's not feeling well in their body. So we're just asking you for a miraculous healing today by your Holy Spirit. We ask because we know that we can, and we ask because we know that you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Today, we will be looking at Leviticus chapters 12 and 13. One more interesting chapter. Um, something to know is that chapters 12 and 15 are known as the purely purity laws in the book of Leviticus. First, we look into chapter 12, and then, which is very brief, which has only eight verses and focuses on the purification after childbirth. Even though it has only eight verses, I think people really talk about this and always have questions about it. You know, so let's dive in and see how much we can 
explain this for you today. Um, there's nothing more joyful in our lives than the birth of our children, right? I have three wonderful children, one boy and two girls, glorious moments. Um, in Psalms, we read that the children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb or reward. And then we see in the gospels that Jesus always welcomed children and their parents. Even when the disciples rebuked the children, Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them from, for such belongs to the kingdom of heaven. Children are given great value in the Bible. And in fact, people were told to be fruitful and multiply. That's why when we read this chapter, we are so confused to read about the purification process during childbirth. We all wonder how does the Leviticus requirement of purification after childbirth align with the Bible's high view of children and motherhood. I hope by the end of the discussion, we will find the ritual of cleansing only testifies to the sacredness of life and the importance of birth and motherhood. We must remember that we serve a God who honors and respects women. In the Bible, we read about Sarah, Deborah, Rahab, Esther, Mary, Elizabeth, Mary, 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 lots of Marys. We can look at all of them, but God read, the Bible really honors each and every woman. They all had a very important role in history. Several generations were born through some wonderful women of God in the Bible. So instead of reading the segregation period and purification process as punishment for women, we need to look at this as the resting, restoring, and region, rejuvenating period for the women. It's important to know that the segregation period is not some kind of penalty for women. I have three children of my own, as I said, and when I read about this resting period, I look at it as a very short maternity leave. If people wonder where one have got, got the idea from maternity leave, bring them here, right here in Leviticus. This is where it all started. There are two things that we must remember before we look more closely on the law for the new mothers. First, we must clarify what it means in the text by a new mother being deemed unclean. The word unclean speaks of ritual impurity only. When a mother gives birth to a child, there's a flow of blood that follows the baby's birth. This is a natural function of the birth cycle. During childbirth, there's a new life in the family, but there's also the loss of blood, which signifies loss of life. There's life and death at the same time. In Leviticus chapter 7, 11, you'll actually see, you will learn that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Blood is the most natural evidence of life and death. The body's power to reproduce life paints a symbolic picture of the power of life and death. And there's a special reverence to the treatment of blood. Therefore, a cer ceremonial purification had to be done before entering the place of worship. Second clarification is that the Israelite women were not the only ones to have a disorder. Even men who had physical irregularities such as bodily emissions or, dis or skin diseases, they were considered ritually impure too. 
I think with these two clarification, let's look more into chapter 12 verses one to five. Not sure if any, uh, if you've already read it because they're not very interesting chapters. <laughs> so if somebody can actually read it for us, it would be great if someone can read chapter 12 verses one to five. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, when a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days. As in, as in the days of her menstruation, she will be unclean. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 33 days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing, nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks, as in her menstruation, she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 66 days. Thank you. As a consequence of the mother's physical changes, a new mother spent a specified time in seclusion at her home. The seclusion was for seven days for a male child and 14 days for a female child. The two conditions were only for domestic segregations. And after this time, she would take up her normal household duties. However, even after the seven or 14 days, the mother could not touch anything holy, such as holy food, especially dedicated to the Lord. The duration of the continued restriction was 33 days for a male child. And then we see it was 60 days, 66 for a female. The additional time is mentioned as the blood of her purifying, meaning that she was in the process of becoming pure, but was not yet fully pure or clean. The time for a female child was twice that of a male child, which makes it difficult for some of us to understand in this day and age. Our immediate reaction would be to wonder if the Bible thinks that men are better than women. But Bible scholars believe that if the time between that double the time could be due to the presence of two females. The mother and daughter require twice as many days as the birth of a boy. If this is the case, then the additional days is for the daughter who will one day be her childbearer herself. If you ask me, I think girls are extra special. That's why God made sure that we but moms spend time, double the time with their daughters. Again, we don't have any clarification in the chapter on that. So I'm not going to make up stories, but there are a lot of commentaries, commentaries about it. And that was my favorite one on what the Bible scholars said. But this is what I believe that girls are extra special. But Bible scholars believe that the mother and daughter are both considered childbearers and need the time. I leave it to you and pray as God if you want more clarification, because this is a clarification I could find. Um, and again, we shouldn't be making up stories if it's not written. I could say I don't know, but I really think girls are extra special. I have two girls, one boy. In the case of the birth of a male, the initial seven days of domestic seclusion was followed by the rite of circum circumcision. On the eighth day after the birth, 
the child was taken to the sanctuary for circumcision. We all know by now that circumcision was commanded of Abraham and his descendants as the sign of the covenant that God had made with Abraham and all his descendants. This was also practiced by the Egyptians. Not sure if everybody knew that, but this, the significance of circumcision in other cultures was typically a rite of male puberty. However, for the Israelites, the mark in the body indicated that the child was now a member of the covenant community of Israel and had a spiritual significance. The new mother could enter the tent of meeting on the day of her son's circumcision, despite her continued postnatal flow, shows that the custom of circumcision took priority. The ceremony of circumcision, however, was always recognized as only an external sign of identification with the people of God. It was intended to, intended to be an expression of the inner person's devotion to God. You later read uh, Leviticus 26.41. It describes disobedient Israel, Israel as having uncircumcised hearts. The neighboring countries were only circumcised physically, but God wanted the nation of Israel to be circumcised spiritually in their hearts. In verses six to eight, we see that for purification, the mother will have to bring a Euro lamb and a pigeon or a turtle dove for offering. And the priest offers it before the Lord and makes atonement for her. The burnt offering was the young lamb. This was usually an expression of gratitude and renewed dedication to the Lord. This would be fit, fitting as an expression of thanksgiving for the birth of the child. The sin offering was either a pigeon or a turtle dove. This does not mean that the mother committed a sin by having a child. Rather, rather the sin offering was a purification offering for the new mother's physical discharge of blood that had brought impurity and therefore needed purification. We also see that the Mosaic law provides for the poor whose financial means cannot support the more costly animal offerings. In verse eight, a special provision is actually given for the mother who was poor. Two turtle doves or pigeons could be substitute, substituted. One bird was for the burnt offering and the other for the sin offering. It didn't matter if they were rich or poor. These offerings were also said to achieve the same desired effect. Purification was not based on the value of the gift, but on the proper motiva motiva motivation of the giver. I don't think we can wrap up this chapter without uh, talking about the birth of Jesus in Luke's gospel. I think Luke's gospel is the only one that's actually recorded it. In Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 24 we read and when they came when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses not sure how many of us actually have noticed that uh, word the purification that's why Mary and Joseph had brought the child um, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it's written in the law of the Lord 
every male who first opens a home shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Mary and Jesus presenting, Mary and Joseph presenting Jesus at the temple shows that they diligently obeyed their law, the law of their Jewish heritage. We also see that the family that Jesus was born into was not a very wealthy family. From the scriptures, it looks like they only offered birds as offerings. They couldn't afford a lamb. Jesus left the glory of heaven and exchanged it for the lowly conditions of humanity. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. If it was me, I would have chosen a little bit more comfortable time period in history for Jesus, where there's actually cars and private airplanes or a palace. But he became poor for us, so we may become rich in him. He was born at a time where he could become sacrificed for us on the cross. And the son of God became a human being for us. Through him, we are born again and fully complete. And just, just so beautiful, just so beautiful to know that uh, Jesus was so great, would humble himself and come for us. Well, let's go to chapter 13. The chapter 13 describes human infirmities of two kinds, and individual skin disorders and moldy defects in garments and houses. Just uh, amazing to see how God actually looks at every detail. They just moved, they're moving from Egypt to Israel and God was giving them every little detail. He was being there, you know, their health dietary person. He was being a house inspector or every single aspect. Like when we go move into a house or when we buy a house, we always think, oh my gosh, this is so much work. But, and we're trying to put everything on us and we stress about it. But actually God cares about Every little single thing that you do when you're buying a house or when you're moving or if you're not feeling well, we have a God who's actually really looking at us. That's why he would even take time to tell the Israelites these instructions on their skin disorders and moldy defects in their garments and their houses. If someone can actually read, um, it's actually a very big chapter, chapter 13. So if someone can actually read uh, we're going to go through verses one to eight, but if someone can read one to four, and uh, again, if we can have somebody reading five to eight, let's just go through it because I know reading it alone, these are not uh, very interesting topics. So if someone can read, that would be great. Um, chapter 13, verses one to four, and another person, five to eight. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has any skin of his body is swelling, a scar, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to the one of his sons, the priests. That's three. The priest shall examine the son's skin of the body. And if the hair and the soul has turned white, 
and we saw a pair to be deeper than the skin of the body with the leprous soul. Then the priest who examined him and pronounced him unclean. Thus, brother, if the bedspread is white and the skin of the body, it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, so it has no connection. Then the priest that I sent to the man, the one who has the soul seven days. Anyone else can read verse 5 to 8? Verse 5. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the soul appears to be as it was, and the soul has no spell on its own day, the priest shall isolate him another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded, and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin after he has shown, shown himself to the priest for his cleaning, he shall appear again before the priest. And the priest shall look. And if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. Leprosy or the Hansen's disease, they call it now, is an infection caused by slow growing bacteria called Mycobacterium leprae. I'm not a doctor, but I Googled it. I, call, I called the Google doctor. Um, it can affect the nerves, skins, eyes, and lining of the nose. One cannot get leprosy from a casual contact with a person, such as shaking hands or sitting next to each other on the bus or sitting together at a meal. Prolonged close contact with someone with untreated leprosy over many months is needed to catch the disease. I'm not sure if many of you know, but leprosy still exists in several parts of the world. When I was a kid, every Sunday, I would always see beggars that sat outside my church. The beggars mostly had leprosy. Even when I went back to India a couple of years ago, I saw lepers still sitting outside the church. Not sure if you have seen them in your lifetime, but the people that I've seen had usually lost half of their fingers, like or the toes, their faces were mostly disfigured. The color and parts of their body had turned white and many of them couldn't walk due to the nervous issues and the fact that their toes were, and the fact that their toes were broken. It was always a sad sight as they were not allowed to usually roam around the streets but on Sundays, they were allowed to come and ask for some change. Some of these lepers would have dogs or cats with them at all times, because as their toes were numb, and even if a rat came and bit them, they couldn't feel it. So when they were sleeping, they always had these pets close to them. I even recently saw a video beginning of this month for a home of the lepers, where there were approximately 100 men and women who live as inmates living in shelters as they couldn't live for, couldn't live with their families. They were just castaways. Um, this is a disease that still is real in other parts of the world. Bible scholars and medical researchers have mentioned that the description of the illness in the book of Leviticus doesn't really correspond to every sign of leprosy or the Hansen's disease. This is to be 
believed to be only a milder version of the real disease mentioned in Leviticus. This indicates that there must have been some form of contagious version of leprosy or skin disease that was just notorious and greatly feared ailment. For example, if you take tuberculosis, uh, when I was young, uh, many years ago, it was a very dangerous, life-threatening disease. Now with the proper medication, the severity seems to have decreased in several situations. As there were no medical researchers or medication, um, uh, medications as we talked about uh, yesterday, back in those days, God had given Moses and Aaron instructions, laws regarding the disease. With these instructions, the priests, priests decided whether the blemish was contagious or benign based on the appearance of the skin. As we read, the first was a discoloration of the air at the spot of the blemish. And the second was a spot in the skin that was deeper than normal. If this were the case, the um, priest declared the person unfit for normal activities and that person was quarantined for a period of two weeks. If the symptoms had not spread, the priest declared it as only an eruption. The person washed his clothes and returned to his normal life. If the spot had spread, the diseased area was declared acute and the person was quarantined indefinitely under the symptoms until the dis symptoms disappeared. Uh, when a person suffered a chronic condition, the criteria for discerning healing was the growth of new skin. So what became of the person who continued to suffer the symptoms of the disease? We read in verses 45 and 46, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean, he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Saying unclean was like an alert. They had to say that to keep themselves away from the people. They had to shout unclean, unclean, warning others to beware of their presence. He or she could however join others with the same disease and was free to move about in the countryside. The severity of isolation may seem cruel to us, but I think the last couple of years, a lot of us got a glimpse of quarantine and walked through the tough times during the pandemic was not a great experience for some of us as we couldn't see our parents in our long-term care or we lost some of our friends and family. Pictures of grandparents seeing their children through large glass doors broke our hearts. Yet I'm sure their quarantine was far worse than ours and unfortunately they did not have any medication to quickly cure their disease. In verses 47 to 59 we read about abnormalities in the clothing of a person. The eruptions in fabric or leather work were suspect um, because they showed an outward appearance like the skin diseases. The scaly patches or rough texture helped them identify the extent of the disease. Traditionally, the disorder in garments has a fungus growth um, such as mildew. The blemish was viewed as a potential threat and required a priestly ruling as to the damage um, that the abnormality uh, might cause. 
the procedure for detection was similar to the skin diseases. The PRE's goal was to differentiate between a non-contagious growth and an infectious one. If the disease spot was permanent, the garment had to be incinerated immediately. But if the spot was contagious, it could be laundered and returned for normal use. However, instead of looking at only the bodily disorder, it's important to understand the real or bigger disease that can be compared to this disease, to this leprosy or any kind of skin disorder. Sin is a disease that could destroy your body, soul, and spirit. The leper screaming unclean, unclean was a moral representation of the immoral Israelite and also our spiritual state. Leprosy can be compared to the addictions in our lives. It starts slowly, but numbs our spiritual nerves and consumes us slowly disfiguring our spiritual being. We become so numb that even things, when, when, thing, when things are pulling our lives apart, we do not feel it anymore. And we start dwindling down into dark pits. But there is hope for our God is with us to reach down and pull us out of the dark pits and cleanse us and make us whole again. We cannot wrap this chapter without talking about the compassion that Jesus had for lepers. You see in Luke 5, 12 to 16, it says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, if you will, you could make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I've seen people give money to the lepers on the street. They throw it and no one wants to touch them. Jesus decides to touch and heal the man. He could have said a word, but he touches this man that no one would have touched for several years. We don't have details about the man, but I'm sure he had a family. He would have had a mother and a father. How he would have longed to hug them. I'm not sure if he was married and had kids, but how he would have longed to touch his beautiful wife and children. But no one touched him. Jesus touched him and healed him. What a compassionate and loving God we serve. No matter where we are in our lives, God is willing to touch us. We may not have an external contagious disease, but our inside is disfigured and only he knows it. But Jesus will, is willing to hug us and touch us wherever we are today. Thank you for joining us today. Have you become an official member of our HeartStrong community? Visit heartstrong.life and click membership to sign up. Once you've registered, you will receive an email with links and tips for how to engage everything that HeartStrong has to offer. As a member, you will have access to so much incredible discipleship content found on the members page, such as all of our weekly Bible study events, a monthly training plan with disciplines and practices and discipleship questions to help guide you on your discipleship journey. We also have our most recent Bible study video, all of our teacher Bible study notes, and an on-demand video archive of all of our Bible studies that we have ever done. And lastly, every month, we create and curate content to encourage you on your discipleship journey. 
So what are you waiting for? Visit heartstrong.life and join today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together. Boy,